When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if ever a team or a fan base needed an energizing moment, an energizing win, it was definitely the Steelers and their supporters going into last week. Felt like for the first time in forever, they didn't have to almost apologize for a victory. So now they're 4-2 and two after rallying past the Rams on the road, and they return home for three in a row at Acrisure Stadium starting this Sunday at 1 p.m. against the Jacksonville Jags. I'm Matt Geica along with Steelers now analyst Derek Bell, and we're going to break it down as we always do. Uh, Derek, uh, do you agree with my assessment that last week was rather refreshing for everyone in black and gold? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the first half, you know, got, got off to a little bit of a slow start, you know, LA came out, uh, firing, which often happens, you know, at home, but I, I thought the defense really settled in, played extremely well, uh, especially like after that, like first quarter, especially after they got kind of Puka Nakua cooled down a little bit, but, uh, the offense, you know, it took them a little bit to get going, but the second half was probably the best that we had really seen them play uh, really so far this season, um, really running the ball and passing the ball. So there was some exciting stuff that hopefully they can kind of, uh, you know, keep the momentum going into Jags week. All right. So, yeah, let's get down to it. An actual running game at the Rams. Not like the numbers were fantastic. I believe they were still under uh, 100 total yards on the ground were the Steelers, but it was about getting little wins, wasn't it, Derek? Because their win rates in terms of their uh, their success rate, I should say, in those running plays was over 50%. It was uh, one of the best, if not the best rates on the run uh, in the NFL last week overall. So Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they each made some big plays. They each had some important moments, especially uh, there in that second half when the Steelers came from behind successfully. So what do you think it was? Was it the offensive line reviving and giving those guys better lanes? Uh, do you think those two actually made better decisions with where to run the ball or some combination of the two? Yeah, I think with the run game in general, I, I think it's a combination, man. I thought that the offensive line played really well. Um, they did some uh, creative stuff like conceptually as well, but I thought that the offensive line played extremely well, man, especially the guys on the interior. Uh, I thought Mason Cole had his best game, not just uh, in the run game, but also at pass protection. As I said, Malo was fantastic. Um, the only like reps that like he really lost were the the rare, rare times that they, um, you know, left him one on one with Aaron Donald, which it's Aaron Donald. So, I mean, you just kind of got to take those L's when you get them. But uh, James Daniels looked like he was fully healthy. So I think just the camaraderie, guys working in unison, all those things are really nice to see. Um, and then, you know, the running backs, too. I thought that they left a couple plays out there, um, each of them, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, respectively. But you mentioned just the success rate aspect of it. You know, the Steelers are well over 50 percent. Um last week uh, in terms of rushing success rate they came into the week at the bottom of the league so anytime you're able to you know 56 percent of their plays uh were successful on the ground and like anytime you're able to do that what that means is like you're consistently stands on schedule uh you're avoiding getting put in those third and long situations which we've seen the offense in a little bit too frequently over the course of the you know first like six seven weeks of the season so it was nice to see them get into a rhythm and i like some of the stuff that they did what were some of those things that they did? You mentioned some additional creativity from the play calling. 
So uh, were there any wrinkles coming off the bye that we hadn't seen before from this run game? Yeah, so the Rams, they like to play a lot of five-man services. So they play, you know, three-down linemen, two-edge defenders. They play really heavy on the edge, too, so their guys like to get really upfield and kind of funnel everything back. They play two two deep safeties. Um, so they try to string along plays and got, allow people to fit from uh, from depth. But, uh, you know, the Steelers have kind of um, stolen a Shanahan staple, the Zorro toss. Uh, you're seeing a lot of Allen Robinson being used almost as like a pseudo fullback. We've talked about the Steelers really being unable to run the ball out of like heavier personnel. So now they're shifting to more 11 personnel runs, but using Allen Robinson as kind of a uh, fullback in some of those uh, plays. But the zero toss stuff, uh, Jalen Warren's touchdown run that he had in the uh, start of the fourth quarter was beautiful. Uh, pretty much teach tape for how it's supposed to be blocked and how it's supposed to be read from a running back perspective. So, um, you know, just finding like little ways to get back to some of their staple plays, you know, uh, that zero toss play is basically just outside zone, but they haven't been able to run outside zone very well often or very efficiently uh so far this season so just these little wrinkles that they're trying to get to every week to try to unlock this rushing game i'm hoping that we'll see like a similar kind of effect uh as we did last year after the bye week where the running game really took off and allowed them to stay consistently ahead of the chains well something else that was certainly above the line was the uh the interception for tj watt that ended up maybe turning that game of course it was a one score game so any of the plays that we've talked about or that you could think of from this last week's game could have decided it, but that's where my mind goes to right away. And uh, you wrote a piece for Steelers Now Plus on the site. Derek, I suggest everyone watching or listening goes and checks that out as you broke it down. You uh, took some excerpts from an interview that TJ did on why exactly he made the read that he did to pick off Matthew Stafford. So for those of us out there who aren't as well-versed in the X's and O's as you are or some of our listeners are, what made that read and that play so impressive for what? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the main thing for me is just, man, I've uh, seen that play call from the from the Rams. Uh, Hoswa Juke is like a little bit of a traumatic experience for me because I've seen <laughs> McDaniel's uh, run that against the Steelers so many times. I want to say it was, um, I think it was the twenty, I guess fifteen, sixteen, or whatever AFC Championship game. They ran that play like twelve times against the Steelers, and they just couldn't stop it. I mean, it was like they were just spamming it over and over again. Um, but anyways, you know, the play design itself, you know, they went to empty, got the Steelers in base. Uh, personnel Watt was walked out um, over the slot receiver and uh, you know they just checked the cover too which is you know not really all that uncommon but you know the purpose of the intent of the play from the offense's perspective is to get Cooper Cup lined up on a linebacker you know they move him all the way around they'll put him as the number three receiver to get him these like really easy cheap uh, yards and receptions because you know obviously getting your number one threat against a linebacker is what the offense wants to do Um, I just thought from just a football instincts and a football IQ standpoint it was really impressive for tj you know he's really just the hook defender uh there and like he just did a really good job understanding that staffer was trying to look him off and uh just make that break on the ball especially you know again just the offense was so slow and sluggish to set them up you know basically on the goal line to get them started uh in the second half was just awesome uh i said it was one of the best plays i think i've ever seen tj make just because i just don't think that other I just don't think other outside linebackers or edge defenders, pass rushers, whatever, are making that play in space. And he just does it. And it's like, man, this is this is special stuff. Now, we saw a lot of that from Troy Polamalu over the years, didn't we? Um, Figuring out something, seeing something. Maybe it was a key that he picked up from video study. Maybe it was just an instinct from all the years 
of reps, not comparing the two in pass coverage, but just saying that seemed like that type of a play that was just outside the bounds of what you would normally expect from a defender, even an all-pro stud like T.J. Watt. Is it a fact that he might have a little more freedom to do something like that? Uh, Derek, how do you feel that uh, the the, the reins are on uh, on Watts or even any other, like a Minka Fitzpatrick type of player, to go outside the bounds of what you uh, are expected to to do as far as assignments concerned? Yeah, you mentioned like Troy, but like I also thought about, um, you know, someone actually brought this up to me uh, in a comment. I don't know if it was on Twitter or um, on Steelers Now, but uh, they were comparing it a little bit to the James Harrison interception uh, against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, you know, where he just just instinctively drives back and ends up getting into that slant window and takes it uh, back for a touchdown before halftime. Um, But, you know, all the players that we're talking about, you know, Troy, Minka, James Harrison, TJ, all these guys are just – uh, transcendent talents and like I think that that's probably just one of the things that sets them apart man like um, not just not just doing what they're supposed to do or doing what uh, what it looks like maybe on the playbook uh, but being able to make plays um, you know outside their responsibilities and like that's that's the thing that I think sets you know maybe good players a, a, apart from great players um, and we just we've we've almost become numb to how many of these types of plays that TJ makes, you know, almost on a weekly basis. Like, and I, that was the main uh, reason that I wanted to write that piece was just because, um, you know, I really hope that people don't take some of the stuff that he does on a weekly basis for granted, because some of this stuff, man, like you just watch the football around the league. It just, it, it doesn't happen for every team like this. And it just seems like every week, you know, when they need a play at a critical juncture of the game or whatever to flip the script, uh, number 90 just somehow finds a way to make it. Yeah, good reference to Harrison there. Timely reference as he's being inducted into the Steelers' ring of honor this upcoming week um, during the game. So we'll get to relive that interception against the Cardinals in the Super Bowl, one of the great plays in NFL history for sure. Now, it wasn't an awesome day for Watt at Los Angeles in terms of rushing the passer. Just had the one tackle, no sacks. Uh, Wasn't really in Stafford's kitchen that much. Of course, uh, he did make perhaps the play of the game. But when we're talking about week in, week out, that's his bread and butter is, is getting home. So uh, we did see some talk this week out of Steelers training or not training camp Steelers headquarters on the South side that you might see Watt more on the right side rushing from uh, what you would call his weak side. I suppose he likes to rush from the left more often. What do you think are the positives and potential negatives to this type of uh, a tweak to where he's lining up? Yeah. I mean, TJ's really um, he's talked at length. Uh, in multiple different interview spots over the years about just him being more comfortable on the left side of the defense. Um, he's talked about like how some of his moves he felt like are just, you know, more effective uh, could also be a flexibility thing. You know, a lot of edge rushers are more comfortable rushing from one spot um, because they can only hit certain moves going one way. It's kind of like a basketball player. You know, a lot of, a lot of basketball players you see in isolation, uh, maybe they like to shoot pull up jumpers on the left, or maybe they like to do, you know, crossovers going left to right or anything like that. So that's kind of, how I always think about it. Um, but, you know, you mentioned TJ was pretty quiet last week, rushing the passer, only a couple pressures, no quarterback hits, no sacks. Um, I think really, honestly, this is a necessary tweak that the Steelers honestly need to make. Um, and I know that T- it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period because TJ, uh, he's comfortable on the left side. But I also think with him being so stagnant, it makes it easier to game plan against him and not saying he can't still impact the game because obviously he does more often than not. It's just what offenses are doing, especially these Shanahan systems with McVay and Shanahan himself, Bobby Slowick, 
they're making him rush. Like there's a phrase that offensive uh, coaches will use, like making elite rushers rush twice. Well, they're making TJ almost rush two and three times. So they'll mm-hmm. set a tight end over there and then they'll chip a running back. And then, you know, TJ has got to basically win two blocks before he even gets engaged with the right tackle. Well, when the ball's coming out in two and a half seconds, winning three separate blocks is not like that's not a realistic expectation for anybody, even somebody as great as TJ. So I think just being a little bit less uh, stagnant and a little bit more, you know, take the uh, make the offense do a little more guesswork about where he's going to line up and it could pay some serious dividends for their defense, I think. Yeah, kind of a long-term play in addition to maybe uh, surprising some people in the short term as well. Absolutely. On to third down, wide receivers, uh, a topic of conversation this week. Well, first of all, George Pickens continues his ascent, we think, to uh, toward the top of the uh, NFL's wide receiver hierarchy. Another 100 yards last week, some big plays. Deontay Johnson returns from the hamstring injury. Might have tweaked it a little bit, but he did practice uh, today, Friday, as we're recording this. So it looks like he's going to be good to go on Sunday, which is huge for the Steelers. Now they have a 1A and a 1B, perhaps, as we discussed Last week, uh, Pickens was talking this week uh, in the locker room, though, discussing the Jags defense with the media. And he said that the Jags are more of a, quote, hope defense because they rely on their D-line to uh, do a lot of the work and uh, just trust that they're not going to hang their DBs out to dry. Jag safety, Rayshon Jenkins swiped back, saying that uh, Pickens hasn't faced a defense like the Jags so far. That's why he's had so many yards and so many big plays. So, uh, first question, kind of a whimsical one, but is this how you know that you made it? That you're starting to get into these war of words with the opposing defensive backs. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think if there's one thing that Pickens doesn't lack, it's confidence, uh, <laughs> and I I have no issue with it, man. You know, I I think the big thing is, um, you know, some people will say, you know, bulletin board material, whatever it, it may be. I I just think that uh, NFL players, especially guys like Pickens, or like the super duper competitors or anything like that they just don't need a lot of that stuff like that stuff just happens naturally once you get in between the lines so I like the confidence uh with George I mean I don't know that you know the the Jags what he's referring to the Jags defense uh he was asked a question about um all the yards that they've allowed I think they're 31st in yards allowed that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because the Jags have been up in a lot of different games um to the point where like teams have had to throw the ball like just an incredible amount of times. Like the Jags pass defense in general um, is actually like top 10, I think in drawback EPA and success rate. So this is not a bad pass defense. Now I will say one of the things that he may be referring to though is, um, you know, Josh Allen has been absolutely incredible for the Jags this year. You know, they selected Trayvon Walker with the number one overall pick last year, but Josh Allen is a guy who I think is kind of in that Alex Highsmith tier um, of rushers and man, he's had a phenomenal season. I want to say that he's near the top of the league in pressures um, and near the top of the league in sacks as well. So he's he's playing phenomenal ball. And, you know, that 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 pass rush is something that the Steelers are going to have to slow down um, in order to give, you know, uh, Pickens and Johnson a chance to work on some of these Jags corners, Darius Williams, Tyson Campbell, uh, those guys. But I'm really looking forward to the matchup, especially now that we got some uh, some trash talk in between uh, in between players. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's picking up here, and it feels like old times. AFC Central a rivalry oh, yeah. from back in the day when it was uh, Mark Brunel against Cordell Stewart and on and on down the line. Uh, well, hey, let's talk about the quarterback a little bit, too, with uh, Kenny Pickett. Did you feel like he had a little more swagger, a little more 
confidence with Deontay Johnson back in the lineup. And he had a couple of options he can pretty much count on to, if not get wide open, at least be viable options when he looks their way. Yeah, I thought Kenny had arguably his best game of the season. Uh, and I don't really think that that's necessarily a surprise. You know, I, I wrote a piece uh, early last week about uh, Johnson's return and what that could potentially mean. And I just think that, um, you know, Johnson's ability to get open quickly and, you know, win, especially against man coverage, uh, I think it's going to be able to settle Kenny down. And you saw that, man. Like, I really thought over the course of the game, especially in the fourth quarter, he was getting really hot. You know, he was making some anticipatory throws to the sideline. And really what the Steelers were doing, it wasn't anything crazy from a schematic standpoint. They were basically just willing to say, like, you know, the Rams, just the way that they were playing defense, getting a lot of quarters. Uh, the Steelers were just isolating their receivers and just saying, like, we don't think y'all have a corner that can stop 14 or 18 one-on-one. And they were just attacking those matchups. Uh, Killer Witherspoon, Darion Kendrick, those guys. Uh, you know, the Pickens and Johnson, they had their way with those guys. You know, you saw it on slants, on, on hitches, comebacks, back shoulders to Pickens. Um, and I just think like adding another guy that I think Kenny really trusts to be in the right spot at the right time and create that separation um, is is going to do wonders for his confidence, especially at the offensive line plays like they did last week and gives him an ample amount of time to get rid of the ball. So um, I thought that last week's version, at least in the second half of the Steelers passing game, is probably like I don't want to say like best case scenario as if they can't get better, but like. It, that's the version that I think we at least need to see through the rest of the season, uh, just with the ability to, you know, kind of just pepper those targets to those two guys and just have them, you know, take over the game. And that's what I thought they did. You shared something on Twitter slash X this week about how George Pickens is pretty well-rounded when it comes to either going up against man coverage and zone coverage. Uh, how do you feel about Deontay Johnson? I know he doesn't have a, a great sample this year, but uh, do you feel like he's similarly um, positioned as far as his skill set is concerned to be able to do it against whatever? Or does he have, would you rather see a different uh, or a, a man coverage or a zone coverage against Johnson when he's out there? Yeah, I think in general, Kenny's a lot more comfortable, in my opinion, throwing against man coverage, especially for like young quarterbacks. That's not overly rare. Um, I, I think in general, that's that's not crazy. You know, man coverage, if you've got two guys like this, like 14 and 18, like where you're going to be able to kind of pick your spots and pick your matchups, uh, the Steelers are going to have answers for that. I have I have no problem. I think from a zone perspective, it kind of just depends. You know, um, for example, you know, the Rams, they were playing technically like zone coverage, but, um, you know, the Steelers were, so like if they're in quarters, which the Rams played a little bit of um, on Sunday, they were doing some like four strong looks. Well, if you got if you have an isolated receiver on one side of the field, that quarters uh, corner to that isolated receiver is basically it's man coverage. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like you may have a little bit of help um, depending on the call for the safety, but like you're basically one on one. And the Steelers were able to kind of just isolate that. And I also think it just makes the game easier for Kenny. Like it's it's basically half field reads. Like all right, if I get one on one, this is where I'm going with the football. It it makes it easier for him where you're not putting as much uh, from a processing standpoint. And it allows him, I think, to play a little bit more on time. And I thought that that's really what he did over the second half of the game, just kind of picking his spots, picking his matchups, and the Steelers are winning. That's what I was going to ask you, actually, about the the quarters. Is, is quarters coverage, it could be like a, a man-like zone coverage because you're splitting it up to such a degree. I'm just curious about where some of this data comes from um, because some of it's from Sports Info Solutions. Some of it uh, people are... I guess, charting games on their own. We all know about pro football focus and what they do. So mm -hmm. um, what's your level of confidence, I guess, in 
in that kind of data that does have some subjectivity to it. I love that data because it's it's so much more specific than what we're used to getting in football. And I like to see information that's more relevant to certain contexts. But yeah. do you have a, an extremely high confidence level in the fact that, well, this was charted as a zone coverage, but it might have been closer to a man coverage? How do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah, so like I, I've always said to people, uh, to your point, like when I see tracking stats for like cornerbacks, for example, mm -hmm. um, and I see like yards and catches and stuff like that from like pro football focus, uh, I think what they do is great. Um, I just think that there's so much context that's needed, you know. So say like say you're playing cover three and the cornerback is playing eight yards off and you uh, the outside receiver runs a five-yard hitch and he gets a six-yard gain, that's a good play for the offense. And Pro Football Focus is probably going to chart that as, like, if he's in bail or if there's not a, a defender that gets out there, they may chart that completion to the cornerback. Well, like in zone coverage, for example, uh, NFL teams, college teams, they treat that zero to five-yard window in zone as the no-cover zone. Like, offenses okay. will allow you to get completions in that area. So, like, is, is it really fair to chart that as a completion against a certain defender if that's what the defense is allowing you to do? Mm -hmm. I don't really know. And then, like you mentioned, some of the subjectivity of the calls. For example, um, every team has different ways that they want to play bunch looks. Every team has different uh, checks that they want to play empty out of, especially quarters teams. Uh, for example, you can play quarters uh, multiple different ways. If I mentioned, like, uh, if you see a three-by-one uh, set from an offense and you're playing quarters coverage on defense, some teams may have the safety to the isolated receiver on a tricks call. So what he's looking at is the number three receiver. He's going to take anybody that shoots up the middle of the field. Some teams may just want him to play his straight quarter. Like, it, it can be different things. So um, I think that there is a level of subjectivity to it. That's probably why – the man and zone splits in general, um, I think they are valuable. Um, but like I said, the, it just varies so much team to team um, that you really have to know. Like for me, I have a lot of confidence in like what coverages the Steelers are playing because I watch them every single week. But even like some of these teams, like for example, Jacksonville, um, not really super familiar with Jacksonville's defense. So like some of their calls. I'm not going to be uh, like I may see that as like a busted coverage or whatever, but that just could be the way that they typically play that formation. So it is different. I do think it requires like a lot more in-depth context than maybe like some of these sites may lead off, I guess is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. So, yeah, it's a team sport, right? So it's going to be a little more tricky to, to analyze. Baseball is the gold standard for me when it comes to breaking down um play and performance yeah. with metrics because it's essentially an individual sport masquerading as a team sport one-on-one -on -one matchups uh batter versus pitcher etc it's not really the case in football i always say this in hockey too when we follow that it's just tough it's messy it's a messy game yeah. football can be a very structured game but also we don't know what the intent of the the play calls yeah. are and i think that's that's a good thing to like lead into as well just from like a you know if you're watching this podcast obviously you're really um you're probably very interested in like the more detailed aspects of football but um you know as much film as like we like to watch or as much numbers as we like to dig into you there's always a little bit of a gray area that you're not in the room so like we don't necessarily know what guys are being taught against certain things so you always have to like even like for people like myself that try to give as much analysis as possible based on like what i've seen or what i what i know um, there's always little 
bits of the pieces, like little pieces to the puzzle that like we're not privy to because we're not in the meeting rooms every week. So um, I just think, you know, that context is definitely necessary for sure. Good discussion. And I'm sure we can continue along that vein as we move on down the season. But do want to get to our fourth down here and Steelers fans are hoping that they are looking in a mirror here when they see the development of Trevor Lawrence juxtaposed against the development of Kenny Pickett. Lawrence struggled his first year in some ways uh, posted worse numbers than what Pickett is putting up in his first season equivalent of a full season as we've basically gotten to that point now. Uh, And then Lawrence now in year two and in year three, especially he's got the Jags off to a a hot start and uh, just a couple of losses to their record as they uh, roll into Pittsburgh here this weekend. You took a pretty deep look at the Jags offense this summer, just coincidentally, Derek. So what do you think uh, they have done to put Lawrence and company in a better position to succeed both last year and now uh, clearly this year it's continued on. I think a lot of the stuff from when he was a rookie man um, is a lot of the stuff that you see with the struggles of young quarterback play. Um, I thought that first and foremost, the culture that urban Meyer was kind of establishing there in Jacksonville. I think that's been well a topic that's been well discussed. Um, I mean, there are certain respected people that have been around that facility that literally called that, you know, one of the worst like coaching jobs ever. So like, and I, I don't think that there's any doubt just based on how Trevor played their results, how quickly that thing fell apart. So that's first and foremost. And the Steelers are lucky that they really don't ever have to deal with stuff like that. Cause Tomlin, you know, always has that, you know, the Steelers at least heading in the right direction, in my opinion, uh, from a culture standpoint. Um, but you know, I think that they've done a good job just over the past two years making, uh, you know, him comfortable. You know, they went out two years ago, signed Christian Kirk. That was a deal that didn't get really good reviews at the time, but you know, it gave Trevor a number one option. You know, Christian Kirk's really good out of the slot. He runs a lot of the, the routes that Trevor throws extremely well. Uh, so, you know, they, one of the things I like that Jacksonville did last year, you know, they were running out Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. That's not a receiving group that is going to blow the doors off people. But what they were doing, they were really good at using bunches to get some of these guys free releases off the line of scrimmage. They were really good at using like mesh plays and uh, creating space for some of their guys that don't do that naturally. And I just think that that speaks to good coaching. That's what, you know, Doug Peterson does. He's gotten the most out of a lot of different quarterbacks, a lot of different uh, offensive schemes. So I was a fan of that. And then, you know, one of the, glaring weaknesses that Jacksonville had last year was, you know, I mentioned the bunch sets. Well, the guy who's isolated on the other side, they were putting guys out there that just quite frankly could not win. I mean, their best like isolation player last year on the outside was really Evan Ingram, who's a fine player, but you look at around at what some of the other young quarterbacks in the league got AJ Brown for Jalen Hurts, guys like that, that just absolutely dominate those one-on-one matchups. So they went out and got Calvin Ridley to be that kind of like X receiver to win on the boundary. And I think Ridley's usage could be a little bit better. I don't really love the way that they're using him. I'm a Ridley fantasy owner, so I've paid a little bit more attention to that uh, this year. But um, some of the stuff that they're asking him to do, Ridley uh, is a necessary piece because of his route running ability. And he can still stretch the field and win out to the boundary. So I just think that and just the general aspect is as great of a prospect as Lawrence was. And I still think, you know, I already think he's up there as far as top five, top eight quarterback in the league. Um, I just think, you know, young quarterbacks, they take time. That just, that's what happens sometimes, man. Some, sometimes depending on your surroundings, you can, you can start off slower. Uh, and I really think that's what Trevor's done, but an incredibly talented player. The Steelers defense is going to have their, their hands full with him on Sunday for sure. 
Mike Tomlin said that Lawrence can make every throw arm strength wise, uh, finesse wise. He can definitely find those windows. Uh, what do you think is the the one thing he does best, though, that the Steelers are going to try to key on to, to at least limit this week? I'll tell you the thing that I think I uh, Lawrence was the number one prospect for me coming out of his class. Um, really easy evaluation just from a size perspective and arm perspective. Underrated athlete. The thing that I I guess I've learned to kind of appreciate a little bit more about Trevor's game is um, he's better in the pocket than you would expect uh, for a young quarterback, just in terms of the way that he moves, how quickly he can move. Uh, We talk about athleticism for quarterbacks. A lot of people kind of um, only talk about what they look like on scrambles. Well, Trevor's just so quick in some of these subtle movements to hitch up in the pocket. But I think the the one area that I think I was wrong about his, his, uh, I guess, analysis was maybe I didn't think Trevor was extremely creative as a thrower but dude over the last like I would say calendar year he's proven me wrong on that some of the things that he does just in terms of like the shoulder fakes and just the aggressiveness the windows that he's willing to hit with his arm because like Tomlin mentioned uh, that's the most overused phrase ever for quarterbacks you'll hear me talk about that all the time on Twitter can hit every throw that is so not true there's only about five (laughs) quarterbacks in the league that can actually hit every throw Trevor's one of them but I think that coming out of college, I was like, he's not really all that creative. So I didn't think he was as big of a risk taker as he should have been. I'm wrong about that. He does that. Uh, the one thing that I will say with Trevor that the Steelers could definitely take advantage of is uh, really loose with the football. Like he's re- he's good at avoiding sacks and uh, manipulating in the pocket. However, his uh, ball security, not great. Like you can get him. You can attack the football out of his arm. He will have an occasional, uh, usually it seems like almost every week, he has like some really bad fumble uh, in opposing territory when they're like in the red zone or something like that. That's honestly why the Jags offense, like efficiency wise and like numbers, success rate, EPA per play um, is really not in the top 10 is because they've turned the ball over too much uh, in the, in like the red zone and stuff like that, which really hurts those metrics. So uh, the way they take advantage of him, man, you just, just got to turn him over. He'll he'll occasionally put the ball in harm's way, uh, really, really via the fumble. So same, got to look out for that. So that being said, are we looking for another type of a Steelers-Ravens outcome where it's ugly, lower scoring, maybe the defense can make the biggest plays of the game? How do you feel about this upcoming matchup against the Jags? Yeah, it's tough, man, because I'm almost making this pick, I guess, out of – because okay, I'll explain it. So the next two weeks after the Jags, I'm not, I know the Steelers aren't looking ahead, but I am. Uh, so they've got the Titans and it's the Packers, I think. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. they're gonna like the Steelers are better right now than those two teams. I feel really confident about that, especially getting the Titans. I know it's a short week, but they're at home, so that typically favors the short the home team. Um, so I'm thinking to myself, if they beat Jacksonville this week, are they really gonna be seven and two? Is that really? I don't think this team's seven and two good. I don't even know if this team's like four and three good, but I don't. I don't know, man. I I'm gonna take Jacksonville because I think Jacksonville's a better team. That's just that's just my opinion. Uh, some of that may be like preseason bias because I was really high on Jacksonville. Spoiler alert: I also took them to go to the AFC Championship game to take on the Chiefs. I had a rematch there, so um, I think that Jacksonville has been a little bit. They haven't put it all together, but I think they're getting close. Their defense has played a lot better um, than I anticipated. Um, they've been really good at stopping the run. Um, you know, they've they've got some good uh, good things going on that side of the ball to where 
Um, I think the offense, even as it's not been as great as I anticipated, um, I think that this team's close to being on the verge of something. So I think Jacksonville's a better team, and I would probably lean that way if I was making a true pick. Um, for you betting folks out there, I would probably stay away from this game because it's either it could be one of two things. Like I could see Jacksonville just coming in and lighting the world on fire to where Trevor just picks apart the secondary if they're able to give him enough time. And then I could see the Steelers doing what they normally do, keep it close in the first half, and then Watt or Highsmith or somebody makes a crazy play and they end up winning like 21-20. So <laughs> we've seen that a couple of times uh, already. This There's season. only like two outcomes these days for Steelers yeah. games. They win a close game. That's really <laughs> ugly, or they just get absolutely throttled. <laughs> so it's only two outcomes that are really, really there. Yeah, and it's like, you can see the script playing out too last week as well. Oh, yeah. The way it was low scoring in the first half. Yep. You, you, had a you knew they were winning that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Derek, I'll let you get back to, uh, well, making sure that everything is good at home. You welcomed your, new son nolan this past week so uh from all of us here at steelers now all of us uh, viewers congratulations to you and your wife and uh yep as you grow the brood to four there at the house right yep yep excited about it yeah we we settled in now so that's good he's gonna get to watch sunday's game at home so it'd be cool if they were able to pull out a win especially uh in his first game here we were watching yep. last week's game from the hospital on a cell phone. So that was not oh. the most enjoyable performance, but um, a lot better in the basement for sure. Yeah. Nolan's getting what three games in the span of uh, a couple of weeks. So yeah, I know I said, everybody was joking at me at work or on me at work. They were like, man, you, you bringing him out and he's going to be just boom. He's, he's getting, uh, getting the treatment from, from the <laughs> get go. So he's gonna be a football yeah. guy. He's getting super served, super sized yeah. me, I guess, with three games. Uh, this one being the middle one, and the Steelers are going to try to pull the upset at home against the Jags. For Derek Bell, I'm Matt Geica. Again, as you see there at the bottom of the screen, visit SteelersNow.com for all the pre and post coverage and uh, on social media as well at PGH Steelers Now. We'll talk to you next week, short week, as they get ready for the Titans.